Hello, everybody. My name is Cheryl, and I am an addict. Uh, and I want to first say thank you so much, Marsha, for inviting me out to, uh, to share a little bit about myself and my recovery. Um, always an honor to be, uh, or a privilege, I should say, to be asked to share in, in my journey and my recovery. So thank you. So, uh, you know, it's interesting, like I was just talking to a, a fellow addict before the meeting, and I was saying, you know, sometimes I get a little nervous. Sometimes I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. And this is one of those moments where I'm feeling a little nervous. And I think that's a good thing. I feel like if I'm feeling a little nervous, it's, 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 it's going to allow me to be as honest and as humble as I possibly can. So I'm really grateful. Um, so I wanted to just share a little bit about, um, you know, give you a little backdrop of my story. Um, but I really like to focus on my recovery because I believe all of us uh, need to know how we live life on life's terms today. And um, so a little bit about me. I uh, came from a, a relatively dysfunctional family, um, as a lot of us have. And, uh, you know, never felt good enough. Uh, very, uh, my parents were very critical. They divorced when I was about, I think I was about 11. So, you know, some really uh, instrumental years of a young, young woman's life. Um, and, uh, and as a result of that, you know, I struggled a big part of my life just uh, fearing commitment, fearing intimate relationships with men. So I stayed away from that for a long time. And then, uh, you know, then I started to slowly open myself up to that. And I realized, you know, one relationship after, after another that I was that I was starting to see that I had a real fear of intimacy and, and I didn't really understand what that looked like because I didn't have a good example growing up. So, uh, you know, flash forward a few years, I, um, you know, was a good student, uh, regardless of, of how my parents were treating me and how crit critical they were of me. I was a very good student up until about my sophomore year in high school, which is about the time that I started acting out a little bit although I wasn't in my active addiction uh, just yet, but I could see some signs um, that there was addiction in my life, just not necessarily drugs, but there, was, there were some other signs that, that, of course, at the time I didn't see it, but looking back, I realized that I was an addict in the making, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I, I felt alone a lot of the time. I didn't feel good enough. Um, I know that's a story that a lot of us share. Um, was always trying to prove myself, in particular, with my mom. Um, I never felt that she loved me. I never felt uh, she cared about me. I never felt that she wanted me to grow up to be an individual and, and not someone just like her. Um, so I've, I spent a good chunk of my life grounded. I was in trouble all of the time, you know, for doing next to nothing. I just looked at her the wrong way and I was in trouble. And I, and I really spent a good portion of my teenage years um, locked in my room. And, and those times, my mother wouldn't speak to me. Like she would, everything that I did, um, she took very personally. And then she would hold a resentment. And my punishment was her not speaking to me, sometimes two weeks at a time. And, you know, a young girl not having the love of her mother and then her father moving away 3,000 miles away after they divorced, I felt alone a lot of the time. Uh, but during that process, you know, I learned some coping skills. And 
you know, they weren't necessarily healthy ones, but I learned how to cope um, so that I could just get through the day. And some of that, um, unfortunately, ended up with some, you know, behavior that I'm not really proud of. And, um, and I would say, like, that started, you know, like I said, about my sophomore year in high school, and I was hanging out with some friends who were doing some drugs, but I, I wasn't doing drugs yet. But it wasn't just, you know, it was just a matter of time that I started experimenting in that stuff. And um, and then I started ditching school. Um, and of course, my parents would find out and then I would be in trouble again. And, you know, this went on for several years until I finally decided that I needed to get out of the house, that this that this home was not safe for me anymore. Um, and I ended up on my own at about 19 and I was in enrolled in a junior college. Um, and I actually had my first true like love in my life. So I was trying to build this relationship. And, um, and of course, I started to see signs of just dysfunction that I didn't know how to allow someone to love me in a very deep way, because that just wasn't shown to me. So, and my parents were not the loving type, you know, they didn't, they were always fighting. I'll just say that they were always fighting. They were always screaming at each other. And, um, and I never had that, that role model of what love looked like. And um, so uh, flash forward several years, um, I had, uh, you know, was in college for a while. Um, I ended up with an injury, a pretty severe back injury. And, um, and I wasn't taking any kind of medication. I think I started taking Advil a little bit here and there. And I, you know, I was, I was doing okay. I mean, I was in a lot of pain, but I was I was just trunching through it. And I started to, you know, a full-time job. Um, and I, and I started to see that, that I'm, I, I was a workaholic. So that's where I believe my addiction really started. So one of the ways I coped is I just worked really long hours. So I would wake up in the morning and leave the house at 6am and I wouldn't be home until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I would work straight through. And that's just how I functioned for several years while I was going through the back problems and the chronic pain. And then finally, we started to see some doctors to try to find out what was happening. And, um, you know, we started to, to get some results. And I was told that I needed a, uh, I needed a surgery that was going to require them to cut me through my chest cavity and, uh, you know, remove some discs and put some hardware in there. And hopefully that would be the answer. And um, we did a lot of uh, shopping around to different surgeons to make sure we found the best one. And, um, and so I started on that journey of having this back surgery and I was, you know, I was really afraid um, of the surgery because, you know, obviously they're going to cut through my chest cavity. I think I was about 22 or 23 at the time and I was young. And, um, but the reason for that is because where my discs were herniated, um, if they, if they cut me through the back, the chance of paralysis um, was pretty great. So that was the reason for that. And um, I went ahead and opted to do that. Um, it was a successful surgery. And, and it, was, it was at that time that they started me on narcotic pain medication. And, um, and I had never taken narcotic pain medication. Um, and, and for a long while, I was taking it just as prescribed and, and it was working. And, and then, I don't know, there was a slew of events that started to happen in my life. And one of which was that my grandmother died. And, um, and I remember, I can remember it like yesterday uh, when that happened and, and the loss and the grief that I was feeling. 
and didn't know how to uh, didn't know how to cope with that. And um, and I somewhere in that time frame, I started to cross the line and I started to to take something. So I didn't have to feel that. And um, ah, it's really amazing just how fresh that is in my mind when I talk about it. And I don't talk about it a lot. Um, but when I do, it's just, uh, it makes sense to me, like why this stuff started to happen. And so I, uh, yeah, I crossed that line, you know, and I did that for a few years and, um, and it was horrible because I would, you know, I would try to quit. I, I, I tried multiple times by myself. I never really understood what addiction was. I didn't really understand that fully. And so, and I didn't talk about it. I didn't want anybody to know. I, I felt some shame around it. Um, I felt some discontent and, and I felt like I was just always full of anxiety and fear. Um, and that, and that kind of perpetuated for several years um, until finally, um, let's see, I, uh, I, I talked to a surgeon or my surgeon and I said, listen, I, I really want to try to get off these, these medications. I really need some help. And he sent me off to a pain specialist. And this is going back, you know, 25 years. Um, and back then the, they didn't have the, the rules and the laws that they do today around, uh, narcotics. And so I, I went to this gentleman and I said, I really want to try to wean off of this medication. Can you please help me? And, um, and he turned around and wrote me a prescription for a hundred pills. And, um, and of course I took them and, um, and that sort of perpetuated the disease even further. And, um, and then, of course, you know, the, the school, I couldn't do school anymore. Uh, eventually, I lost, it. I lost my job that was, that was really helping carry me through all of this. And, um, and just my life became unmanageable really, really fast. Um, and I was trying to hide all of this. You know, I put on a pretense to my friends and family that everything was fine. You know, I lived by myself so I could hide a lot of this from everybody. Um, and then, of course, you know, I started to show up at family events and, you know, there were signs and there were things that were going on with me that people could tell something wasn't right. And and I remember my mom asking, you know, are you OK? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm fine, mom. I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing good. Um, and she had no idea how much my life was unraveling. And uh, and at some point, uh, so my sister, who's a few years older than me, older than me, is in recovery and she's been sober now for probably close to 25 years. And, um, and I remember reaching out to her and I didn't know anything really about the program or how it worked. And, and I just reached out to her one day and I, and I, at this point, I was 39 years old. So you can do the math. I had been using on and off for close to 15 years. Um, you know, I would get clean for a little while. I would clean it up for a minute. I would go through some serious withdrawals. I'd be sick as a dog. And then I would go right back to it. And this just kept going and kept going. And I, when I finally got <clears throat> sick and tired of being sick and tired, I called my sister and I just said, look, I, I think I need some help. And she said, I would say that I would, I would also agree. And I said, listen, I, I'm, you know, I'm in a really bad spot. You know, I can't afford my rent anymore. I just lost my job. Um, do you think, do you think mom would take me home, take me in for a little while? And she said, absolutely. So I called my mom and, you know, uh, you can imagine how humbling that was to, to pick up the phone and tell your mother at 39 years old that 
that you've got a drug problem and you need help and you need to come home. And um, to my surprise, she welcomed me with open arms and said, I've been waiting for this call. And uh, so, I, um, so I went home and um, my sister said to me, I want you to go online and, uh, and I want you to look for a program that works for you. And then she told me what program she was in and it was working for her. And she said, there are programs for all of us and but you need to get into a 12-step program and um of some kind and uh and i and i plugged in i i i went to a fellowship for a minute um for whatever reason i just wasn't feeling like i identified with everything um i do remember the god thing was was a was a problem for me initially and um and so she said just keep keep trying just keep getting to meetings find a meeting that works and i and i ended up um at an na meeting um, and it was really close to my home. Um, and, uh, and I ended up, I remember I, I had lost my license, uh, for a short time. And, um, so I was, I rode my bike to the meeting and I, and I, I got there and I, I sat on the ground, the meeting was packed with people and, and I, and I heard a speaker and I said, wow, like they're telling my story. You know, of course there were some differences but there were so many similarities and the feelings were the same. That's what resonated with me is that these people um, had felt or had been feeling the same way for all these years. And they recognized that they needed help and they found each other. And so I just sat there, I cried. I felt, I felt a connection that I had never felt before. And I had a, a a bunch of women after the meeting come up to me and um you know in fact i had a woman who had a lot of years clean at that time say i'm gonna you need a sponsor and she just literally gave me a sponsor that night which i don't think that happens pretty regularly but um so i just said okay and i was willing to do anything anything that they told me um i was willing to do because i had this desperation in my life that I just, my way wasn't, wasn't working anymore. So that started my recovery. Um, and I wanna just stop for a moment and, and say something else that, that I was thinking about this morning before I got onto this call. And it was, I believe the universe works in mysterious ways because during my using, you know, there was some wreckage that I caused and there was, uh dishonesty a lot of dishonesty right and um and i can recall and i don't say this to um i say this because it's just my story um but i started to steal drugs from people and um and there was a really close friend of mine um who i had known since i was 10 years old and we were you know, we were friends for a very long time and, and her sister was going through something very similar with her back. And she was, she was getting some pretty heavy duty medications. And, um, and I stole some of her medication and, um, obviously not proud of that. Right. And, um, thinking that she would never know. And, uh, and of course she, she did. And, um, and this is somebody I really cared about. We had gotten really close over the years and I really cared about her, but my disease just, you know, caused me to do these things that I would have never done otherwise. And um, she ended up uh, with cancer 
a few years later and um and she was going to die she it was a, an incurable very rare cancer and she was about 37 at the time and um and she knew that i had been stealing her medication and uh and i found out that she was going to be dying and i wasn't invited to the funeral i'm sure you can imagine how painful that was because i had known this family for so long and um and i remember talking to my friend who's her sister and i said you know is there any chance that i i can talk to her you know and she said i don't think so um and i said well what about if i write a letter and she said i think that would be okay and um and so i sat down and I remember talking to my sister about it and she helped me with that letter. And, um, and I didn't know at that time really what an amends was, what a, what a formal amends was. I just knew I needed to say this to her because I had so much shame and so much guilt and so much remorse. And um, so I sent this letter and, um, you know, at some point in the next few months, she, she did die of cancer. And um, I got a call from my friend and I, and she said, I just want you to know that, that she saw and read your letter and she for, she forgives you. Um, excuse me. I haven't talked about this in a long time, so uh, forgive me. Um, and it was just, I knew at that time, like, um, that I really needed to clean up my act. I really needed to just find a new way to live. And, um, and that I didn't know that I deserved any type of forgiveness, you know? So, uh, but as a result of all of that, my friend and I, you know, we were kind of estranged, you know, there was some, she was struggling with forgiving me, you know? And um, because I caused her family a lot of pain. And so, for several years, we didn't speak to one another. And, um, and it was devastating, as you can imagine. And I, I remember receiving a call and I was about six months clean at the time. And I, I received a call from my friend and she said, you know, I just wanted to check in with you. I'm, I'm moving back to California and she had been living in another state. And, um, and I wanted to see if you wanted to get together. And I was like, please, yes, I would love that. And she came over to my house and my partner and I, who's also in recovery, you know, he got to meet her and, um, and we had a really long conversation about everything that had transpired. And, and we did a lot of crying and, um, and she let me know that she had forgiven me also. So I knew um, that I was on the right path that, uh, that, something other than myself was was allowing this to happen and uh and i was told that i just needed to do 90 meetings in 90 days i needed to have a sponsor i needed to um just do whatever is suggested um because i had a, a myriad of, of people around me that that had a lot of recovery and not just clean time you know a lot of recovery including my then partner who's now my husband um these people were just so instrumental in helping me uh understand the disease of addiction and that that though i i made some really big mistakes and i i mean i consider them bigger than mistakes um that 
that it was my disease that caused me to do these things. And that took me a really, really long time to understand that fully. I, I still sometimes can resort back to, oh, well, I, you know, I can't believe I did this stuff. I can't believe I did this stuff, you know, and I'm reminded gently by my sponsor that that was the disease and, and it's not the person who you are and it's not the person you were. It's what your disease caused you to do. And I, and it took me years to really, really forgive myself and understand that, that I have a disease that I'm, that I don't have any control of this disease and I desperately need somebody to help me. I cannot do it alone. And I believe that that whole thing sort of just propelled me on, on a journey of recovery. Like I wanted it so badly. I just wanted a, a better life. And I was watching my sister as my example and she, her life was so full and things were changing and she was so much happier. And, and I just, I just wanted that. And and I, and I would have been perfectly okay of just staying clean. But, but what I started to see is that there, that life still goes on and you can find joy and you can find peace. Um, so I wanted to, to mention this particular story because um, once again, I believe that the universe works in really interesting ways. So this friend um, whose sister passed and who, you know, forgave me and, and our friendship continued over the years, recently um, found herself um, in trouble with the law. And, um, and she called me, she had spent the day in jail and she calls, called me the next day and, um, and she said, hi. And, and I said, hi. And she said, are you sitting down? And, and I, I said, I said, what's going on? What's going on? And, and she let me know that she had just gotten a DUI. She got arrested. And, um, and I said, Oh my God, you know, are you okay? And, and she said, yeah, I'm okay. Um, and I said, do you think, do you think you have a problem? And she said, yes. And um, I said, well, you called the right person. <laughs> and um so for the past two weeks, um, I've been talking to her every day and uh, inviting her to a ton of meetings and, um, and introducing her to just a, a beautiful uh, group of women who I trust and love unconditionally, and um, which is basically most of the people in, in these rooms, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, and she's just hanging on, you know, she's one day at a time, not picking up. And, um, and the fact that I, that I am in this position that I can help another addict stay clean, even for a day, um, there's no words to describe the gratitude that I have around that. Um, and I know, like, we, we talk about service, we talk about you know, um, needing each other, that it's, that it's a we program and it's not an I program. And, and we talk about this in, in, in probably every meeting or at least a lot of the meetings that I go to. And, um, and this, this, this stuff that's happening right now in my life is definitely a direct result of just my plugging into a program that works for me. And I don't do it perfectly. And I make a lot of mistakes along the way. 
and I have a lot more to learn. Like, I believe that, that this is going to be a lifelong process for me. I'm, I'm going to be learning and changing regularly as long as I keep doing this and I keep showing up. Um, and I try to be of service in any capacity. Um, and I remember in the beginning, like when I started doing service work, I was thinking like, you know, my, my ego kind of got in the way and I, and I thought, oh, you know, this is going to make me look good. It's going to make me feel good. And look at me, look at me. And, and man, so quickly that got shut down. And I realized that that's not what's going on here. It's, it's just keeping a room open for another addict who's suffering. That's all. That's my purpose. I'm not here to do anything other than just keep a room open and welcome another suffering addict, alcoholic, whatever we're struggling with. Um, and uh, to this day, you know, I, I celebrated 15 years in September. And um, to this day, I only say that because I believe recovery is what I, what I focus on, not necessarily my clean time. Um, because Today, I do the exact same thing that I did when I walked in. I was told, like I said, do 90 and 90, get a, get a sponsor, be of service, call your sponsor, do some step work, um, dig deep, be honest, as honest as I possibly can in all of my affairs. And, um, and I do that today still. And I, and I know that for me, I can't just do one thing. I have to do a multitude of things. And, and, and that is of service, asking somebody asking me to share my experience, strength and hope, I need, to, I need to be there if I can. If uh, somebody asks me to sponsor them, as long as I am able, I am willing to sponsor. I am calling my sponsor as much as I possibly can. And I utilize her. Um, she's, she's a lot wiser than me. So I trust that she's going to guide me through this, this life of mine and, um, and help me become the person that I know I am and the person that I've always been, um, but was just stuffed and, um, you know, pushed down by, by a myriad of, of substance substances that just, you know, made me not feel really, um, so I, uh, I will say this, um, I love my life today. Um, I don't have all the things that I really want. Um, we're working towards those goals, but I have a really beautiful family and I have um, a husband who has a lot of recovery and, um, and I know that I need him in my life today to, to continue to be honest, open and, um, and loving. Um, and, and like I said, I have just a, a beautiful group of women uh, in my life um, who I choose to call my tribe. I know I've heard that said multiple times and I think I stole it from Marsha. Um, but I love that. I love that we, we can really rely on one another. Um, Anytime we're feeling alone or afraid or, or, or just want to use something to, to, to numb ourselves. Um, and uh, oh, it feels so much better when you can just talk about this stuff so honestly, you know, like I, I feel so much relief from just sharing that with you. And, 
you know, I, I, I definitely did a lot of shameful acts during my using and, um, and dishonesty was at the forefront of that. Um, and basically it was just cause I didn't want to be sick. So I just did whatever I, I had to do to not be sick. Um, and today, like I, do I, do I practice honesty every single day? I do. Do I fuck up once in a while? Yep. Um, but the good news is I can see it pretty quickly and I can, I can own it pretty quickly. I don't hold on to it for too long before I, I just end up sharing. Um, because I know that if I hold on to stuff that I'm not sharing with at least one other person in recovery, um, that's going to, that's going to set me up for a potential relapse. And, um, and I know I've seen enough to know what that looks like for a lot of people. And, and I am definitely, uh, no better. Uh, I definitely could see myself doing exactly that by just letting go of a few things that, that, that I'm doing in my recovery today. Um, so I wanted to just share one more thing. Um, and that is if you're new in recovery and you're wondering, uh, how this all works and afraid and alone, um, and feel like you're the only one that, that feels these feelings. I'm here to tell you you're not, we all have been there. We all understand fully what you're going through and, and I'm, and I know that recovery works from my own experience, from so many people in this room right now, so many people around me in my life. And I, and I just do the basic stuff every day. Um, I get to probably four or five, six meetings a week regularly. I'm of service to at least three of them. I have sponsees, I have a sponsor. Um, and I don't say this to boast about myself. Like I tell you this because it's what I need to ensure that I stay on this path of recovery. I don't feel grandiose because I do all this stuff. I'm just doing what's told, to, what's told and, and shared with me and suggested of me. And my sponsor who has now 34 years clean, she does the same stuff she did when she walked in. And so I found someone who I wanted to emulate. And she does the same thing. She goes to several meetings a week. She's of service. She's a sponsor. She's got a sponsor. She works steps. I mean, it just goes on and on. And I surround myself with people who, who will help me continue on that path. Um, I want to also just, and I'll end with this. I want to also say that I've been invited to this group um, several times now. And, um, and I think it is such a beautiful group of people. You all uh, really touched me in a very special way. Um, so I appreciate you inviting me uh, to these meetings because I get so much from them. Um, I, feel, uh, I feel a warmth and a level of intimacy that I don't always feel. So I just wanna say thank you for making this, this atmosphere feel safe for me. Um, and I hope that somebody here has gotten something from this. If you didn't, please just stay and talk to some people that might be able to help you. And, um, and again, thank you, Marcia, for asking me to come out and share my, my experience and my strength and my hope. And um, really appreciate you all listening today. Thank you so much.